The world of technology is ever-changing and at rapid speed. Think about it. Just in the 30 years I've been alive, we've had no cell phones, to giant cell phones, to the internet, from AOL dial-up to high-speed connection, to tiny devices that are not only phones, but cameras, calculators, dictionaries, TVs, and so much more, all within the palm of our hand. And that's not even the half of it. We now live in the wonderful world of virtual reality. You can escape and immerse yourself into an entirely different world, time, or era. Today, we have a remarkable guest who has taken on such an incredible but also huge project that we are so very excited about. You won't want to miss it. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. So this episode is going to be a lot of fun. We're first going to go into a little bit of history, but um, then we're going to go into some like technological smart people stuff. So <laughs> um, my mind is going to be blown <laughs> by the end of this episode. And hopefully yours is too. Yeah. Um, so I was three years old when... Opryland USA closed. It closed in 1997. How old were you? Okay, it closed in 1997, so I was about eight. Okay. Did you ever get to go there? No, my parents did, but I never did. Okay. So I've heard so many stories, and anytime anybody talks about Opryland, it's such a like fond memory. You can tell it was like a great experience for many people mm -hmm. in their childhood. And we're going to get into some personal stories from our friends and families. But um, for those of the for those of you that haven't heard of Opryland USA, um, if you're in Nashville and you're in the Opry Mills Mall, mm -hmm. before that mall stood there, there was a theme park and it was called mm -hmm. Opryland USA. So we're kind of going to go into the origin story of the park and why it ended up closing, even though it was so popular. Mm -hmm. So here we go. So before the Rainforest Cafe, before Victoria's Secret, and before that giant Bass Pro Shop <laughs> on that land, um, there was that park. And so, like I said, we're going to go in the brief history, and then we're going to explore what the future holds for Opryland USA. Okay. Um, by the late 1960s, the Grand Ole Opry had outgrown the Ryman Auditorium. The Ryman Auditorium only had 3,000 um, seating capacity. That's right, right? It is because now it's less. It's like 2,200, but that's because they okay. got rid of like, you know how it kind of went around a little bit mm -hmm. behind the stage? I got rid yeah. of that. So My resource said 3,000. I was like, I don't think that's right, but I'll put it down. It's, it's 2,200 um, now. Okay, cool. So WSM wanted bigger and better somewhere away from the urban decay of the downtown area at the time, a place that could seat more people, had ample parking, and most importantly, had air conditioning. I cannot imagine. Mm -mm. So I, th mm -mm. I think of like Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn always wore these big ball gowns with these long freaking sleeves on them mm -hmm. and like shoulder pads. And, they were and her, yeah, they were like, up to your freaking nostrils yeah. and her hair was so high. Like I would just be sweating my balls off. Okay. Yeah. My non-existent balls off. So, <laughs> um, air conditioning, number one. 
Um, WSM President Irving Waugh. Waugh, I guess. I don't know how to say his name. Waugh. Um, <laughs> took a trip to Astro... What is that? Astro It, so- it looks like Astro Domain. I think it's Astro Dome. I, I think it's okay. Astro Dome. <laughs> Autocorrect <laughs> is a winner. <laughs> In Houston, Astrodome. Texas. in 1969 he became inspired by the astroworld amusement park okay i've never heard of this before and i've heard of it in regard to travis whatever the dumb guy that the kardashians dated or one of the jenners dated do you know what i'm talking about travis scott but travis scott a bunch of people got killed okay I i don't know but okay that sounds scary very informative podcast here. We don't know what happened there, but something happened in Astroworld. Anywho, Google it. Um, Homework. So anyway, so anyway, back before all that happened in 1969, the um, Astroworld theme park, it inspired President Irving Waugh of WSM. Um, it caught his attention because Astro World would lure in visitors when the Astrodome was closed. So since the Grand Ole Opry at the time only operated on two days out of the week, it seemed like a great business decision to open a theme park adjacent to the Opry House. This caused WSM to purchase land sitting between the Cumberland River and the brand new, brand spanking new, four-lane <laughs> Briley Parkway. Four lanes. Um, now it's like huge. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's true. Um, when, they say, when they say a number of lanes, are they talking about going one way or are they talking about the whole thing? I don't know because four, if they're talking about four lanes on one side and four lanes on another, that's a lot for 1969, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. That's like a major, yeah. major roadway. I think right now it's, I think right now it's four lanes on each side or maybe it's six. I don't know. I drove the it's thing so many dang times. It's four. I know where the bu- okay. it's four on each side. So now it's an eight lane highway, right? Yeah, or whatever. I I know Briley Parkway so well that there's a bump that that you go you can hit each. <laughs> I would hit it every day, and I, every time I would go bump every time I hit it. <laughs> so <laughs> um, on October thirteenth, nineteen sixty nine, WSM went public with their plans uh, for the new Opry Complex. And, oh. yeah, they made a quick decision on that. Um, and I want to go back to this. So they decided to buy a piece of land in between a new brand spanking new parkway, which was never going to move, and a river that will never move. So <laughs> they weren't really planning ahead. And we'll get to that. So the theme park. <laughs> I keep calling it an interstate <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know the difference between those things. (laughs) Like highway, parkway, whatever. Okay, so the theme park officially opened May 27th, 1972. And this is a fact I did not know. The theme park opened up before the new Opry House did. Um, The Mm. Opry House would open almost an um, Yeah, like a year or two later. Not like two years, but... Um, and while the theme park had the usual theme park rides and attractions, its main focus was music. And uh, it was, you know, obviously deeply connected to country music, but it had the, um, it sought out basically to celebrate all types of American music. So that included 
country and included bluegrass music, jazz, gospel, rock and roll, and pop. And so they had, for each of those genres, they had shows and attractions that were dedicated to hmm. them. Um, and it was originally billed as a show park, not a theme park, which I found pretty hmm. interesting. That I thought interesting. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me, I love Dollywood. Dollywood is like, mm-hmm. I want to go so bad. It reminds me a lot of that. So I would say Dollywood is, uh, it, I mean, it has theme park, you know, it has like rides and stuff, but it's definitely a show park too. Um, so some of the famous rides and attractions are definitely the Wabash Cannonball roller coaster, which was named after um, Roy Acuff's song. Um, Country Bumpkin Bump Cars. I love bumping cars. <laughs> I love that. And Tennessee Waltz Swings. And then there was a section of the park that was New Orleans uh, themed. And they had a roller co- coaster called the Screamin' Delta Demon. So I thought that was pretty. Mm-hmm. Themed. Delta Demon. <laughs> Wabash Cannonball. That's what I think of every time. I know. Every we time. We had to hear this little segment of the Wabash Cannonball every day because it was on tours. We've talked mm-hmm. about this tour video so many times on here. But it would be, um, ooh, white lightning. And then it would go, the Wabash, Wabash Cannonball. Cannonball. <laughs> Hi, I'm Blake Shelton. And you were on the Grand Ole Opry tour. <laughs> exactly like that too that's good that's good white lightning okay so wsm um and i just want to make a little mention here there's a lot of ins and outs of this story of like stock market stuff business transactions i'm not going to get into all that we're just going to get into the main stuff okay? okay so wsm was part of the nlt corporation which was being acquired by American General Insurance. And if you're a listener of the podcast, I believe we have mentioned this before, that um, WSM meant We Shield Millions, and it was a slogan for the National Life and Accident Insurance Company. American General was not interested in anything non-insurance related um, that WSM had to offer. And they began to approach Anheuser-Busch, Music Corporation of America, and the Marriott Corporation to buy out the remainder of WSM. So basically, they just took a hold of all the insurance stuff, and they were like, we don't want your little concert venue, we don't want your theme park, and they're trying to get rid of it. (laughs) So um, while some were interested in the theme park, uh, these companies had no interest in the other properties um, that were in the sale. A man named Ed Gaylord, who was a figurehead for Gaylord Broadcasting, bought the rights to the famous television show Hee Haw, which ended up moving production into the Opera House in 1981. and Liz, you've you worked a lot back in that studio. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't get back there very much, but it's yeah, cool back there. Studio A, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. <clears throat> um. So it's really cool. Yeah. And here's what's really creepy. Fun fact is that a lot of people would say that I think our first episode last year was um, not only about string bean but also ghost stories. And mm-hmm. a lot of people would say that they could see like a ghost up in those seats there in oh Studio A. Yeah. And some people thought it was Minnie. Some people thought it was Lady um, McGavick. But anyway, I thought that was a fun fact. And you know, in this research about this land, nothing came up about Lady McGavick. And I think maybe it's just a Nashville thing. Like if you're local there, you know about it, but it's not like being broadcasted. I don't know. Mm. I mean, there's some articles about it, but like there was nothing... We've talked about that in later, in earlier episodes, but 
So anyway, um, he hauled the famous show. It moved mm-hmm. into the Opera House in 1981. And through this move, um, Ed Gaylord became acquainted with many Opry stars. And he particularly had a close relationship with Sarah Cannon, a.k.a. Minnie Pearl, which if you want to know more about Minnie Pearl, we do have a dedicated episode to her. It is season one, episode four called Don't Fluff the Show. Minnie Pearl or Sarah Cannon, she would end up being a great influence to Ed in the purchase of Opry and its other properties. Gaylord Broadcasting Company took ownership from WSM in 1983. As I said before, the Opry complex was built on a land sandwiched between the Briley Parkway and the Cumberland River. This piece of land was basically a large triangle. So the Opry House butted up to the Briley Parkway, the theme park sat in between the Opry House and the river, and the Opryland Hotel was built in the remaining part of the triangle. This left Opryland no wiggle room to grow, and due to the close proximity to the river, they dealt with a lot of flooding. So actually, um, right before Opryland USA opened, they had a huge flood on that property, and it killed a bunch of the uh, petting zoo animals. Oh, no. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. (laughs) Holy cow. I know. Um, so again, they had no wiggle room, and this would cause many. The flooding would cause many of the rods to have to be replaced. In Ugh. 1996, which was the year my little sister was born, the Opryland Hotel added on even more to the hotel with the atrium, mm-hmm. which is a huge glass ball basically, and they have <laughs> a thousand guest rooms, and they ended up adding on a convention complex. So an already uh, determined space issue became even more of an issue. And in 1997, Gaylord CEO E.W. Bud was his nickname, Wendell, retired. Bud had been involved with the park since the beginning. Bud was replaced by Gaylord Chief Financial Officer Terry London. Unlike Bud, Terry did not have sentimental ties to Opryland USA like his predecessor. He determined that the park would not deliver the desirable rate of return and it also was not able to run year round. This is when they got the idea to demolish it and replace it with an attraction that would make a buck year round. The mall. <laughs> this. Do- right. So. Sorry. I hate the mall. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Terry London was doing his job. He's the chief financial officer. You know, he was doing his job and looking at everything. But at the same time, I don't know. <sighs> It's just sad. So the demolition and renovation was named Destination Opryland, which would include Opry Mills, General Jackson Boat Dock, TNT and the CMT Broadcast Centers, the Opry House, and the Opry Plaza, which provided retail, dining, and entertainment. Many of the rides were sold to other parks, or they were demolished, and um, there was one park, it was like called Indiana... Indiana State Park or something was buying them and they were holding them in a field until they got their park opened. Well, that never came to fruition. So um, a lot of those rides sat in a open field until 2002. Um, so this whole saga, um, you can sum it up with the famous words of Joni Mitchell. You don't know what you got till it's gone. They paved paradise and put up a parking lot. Oh, that's um, so true, Joni. Very true. Um, so my growing up, my dad, he always had crazy. He had so my dad is part of 14 kids, so the whole family was 16 people. <laughs> That's crazy. And he always told me about this one vacation they went on, and the one vacation was to Opryland USA. Oh. 
And so I've had like 15 calls from my dad because he keeps remembering things that happen. But this is <laughs> this is what he told me. So about 10 of the 14 kids went. Um, so that would make 12 people on the whole because my grandparents were on there. They went on the family vacation to Opryland, USA. And my dad has to add random details. But he said they were in a Ford Galaxy 500 station wagon with a 390 engine. Okay. What a ride. Um, <laughs> 12 kids packed into that <laughs> good lord like a clown car i will say this is going to expose how country i am how country <laughs> like where i come from it's going to if you didn't it. already know <laughs> yeah so my uncle pat said he was on a ride before he even got to the theme park because my grandpa was driving so crazy <laughs> and, um so my grandpa's name was clarence but my grandma was so country that she'd go clarence Clarence. So she kept saying, Clarence, slow down. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they stayed in a hotel with one bed and uh, they slept on the floor and they slept in the bathtub. Uh, the guy at the front desk was causing such a fuss saying that the 12 people staying in one bedroom hotel room was against the fire code. My dad said that my grandpa must have spoken French to the hotel manager because he let them stay. Um <laughs> The, the door to the hotel room wouldn't lock, so my grandpa ended up putting his pocket knife in the door. And then two of my aunts forgot their shoes. Exposed. I love y'all, but y'all are going on a... It, from Owensboro to um, Nashville is a two-hour trip, and y'all are staying overnight. Yeah. How'd you fix yeah. your shoes? True, true. Why are they so staying anyway, overnight? I don't know. I guess it was like a, just they wanted to go on a vacation. But um, so uh, they forgot their shoes. So I guess my grandpa and my grandma maybe had to go into the Opryland theme park. And they ended up buying them like Native American moccasins that they had to wear throughout the park. You know how uncomfortable that would be, though? Legit. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> anyway, so my dad finally asked my question because I asked, you know, what do you think of Opryland? And then he went on this whole spiel. Um, he said, the park was really nice and so much fun. It had a lot of shade trees. <laughs> I love all the detail, though. That's what makes it. Yeah, yeah. So if y'all didn't know that I come from a country family, you do now. Um, <laughs> so I know that you asked some questions on Facebook um, to your your people about mm -hmm. what they thought about Opryland and I did too. Mm -hmm. Do you want any that you have to share yeah. or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So both my parents answered, which my mother always talks about how upset she is that they closed the theme park. And I am too. Mm -hmm. I never got to experience it, but I think it's a pretty dumb idea to close a theme park and build a stupid mall instead. Mm -hmm. But yeah. alas. Um, so this is what my mom said, and then I'll say what my dad said. So my mom okay. said, I remember being there in my early teens with a group and the boys challenging the girls to see which could ride the Wabash Cannonball the most times. It was one of the first ones we had seen that did a loop. As I remember it, the boys group rode it five times and the girls group rode it seven times. That's right, mom. Go get them. Heck yeah. Uh, she said, we won. Fun times. How I wish they'd never gotten rid of that amusement park. And if anyone would bring it back to life, they'd make a fortune, which I completely agree. And I also agree that after you guys hear Ryan talk about what he's doing um, mm -hmm. in connection to Opryland USA, he's going to make a fortune. And I sure hope so. So um, my dad, my dad is very funny. If you guys are listening, you've met my dad, you know, he's a hoot. If you haven't, you're missing out. 
but Keith Both said... Both your parents are funny, but... <laughs> they are. They're hilarious. <laughs> and I don't know if people know, but my parents have known each other since they... Since they could remember, they say six, but both my grandmothers were pregnant at the same time. Um, So they've known each other growing up, and my mom liked my dad when my dad didn't like my mom, and blah, 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 blah. And then high school, my dad was like, then your mom got really hot. And (laughs) (laughs) then um, my dad went to the Air Force Academy. Rose is hot. Uh, My dad (laughs) went to the Air Force Academy, and then they finally got together through, you know, all of the, uh, I call it fate, but, and, uh, they've been together ever since. So they have a very cute love story. Um, so my dad said, which my dad's the same. He adds so much, (laughs) so many details. Um, I was 11 or 12, had a terrible habit of spitting, just walking along. I'd spit on the ground. I hated swallowing my saliva. It grossed me out, had nothing in my mouth. I would just spit. Can't remember the name of the ride, but it spun in a tight circle going down. If the Wabash Cannonball spins in a tight corkscrew horizontally like Rose's picture, my mom, because she posted a picture on the comments, um, I guess that's it. Anyway, I felt the urge to spit. So during that spin, my spit didn't fall down. It flew back and hit the face of the kid behind me. I thought he was going to punch me when we got off the ride. I said I was sorry. Then I ran off. (laughs) And I love that that's the story my dad remembers that's from the theme. So. Your dad's story. And that's then so um, it's such a crazy small world because I did a couple musicals here in Tampa and I met this mm-hmm. amazing man named William Coleman. And he, we both realized that we both are from Nashville. And so he commented, which is super fun. It's like, oh, oh nice. Um, And he said it was a great place to ride the ride, see the cool shows, loved having a local amusement park. And I feel like locals would love a theme park to come back, but hey. Yeah. They just, you know, if they're going to use the excuse of there was not enough space or whatever, they need to think about that next time. Yeah. Um, Well, one of the comments that I got, which I find so cool Becky Fisher, it's my mom's cousin. She said, I saw Johnny Cash standing outside one of the buildings. I was maybe 12 or 13, but that is one of the most vivid memories of Opryland. That's one of the cool things I think, um, like hearing all the stories is Opry stars were just out and about in this park, like mm-hmm. walking around. You would see them. Um, and I know uh, on the mini Pearl episode, we, you know, we mentioned Don't Fluff the Show. I think they did like orientations in the park mm-hmm. and she ga- she always gave that Don't Fluff the Show speech in the park. So that's yes. So yeah, that is true. And I know that um, just from my experience of talking with different stagehands and, you know, local people that remember the park or even worked at the park. A lot of people mentioned how Roy Acuff would go around the park and say hey to everybody, and then he would sneak on, like, into the rides and, like, wave at people as they, like, rode by, which is so fun. I love his, like, sense of humor and personality. Yeah. Yeah. So. They, like, they, back then they made the effort to make it fun, you know? Yeah. Well, they cared. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. Customer service doesn't exist. No one cares anymore. And they cared so much to make it special because they loved it, you know? Yeah. So you're probably wondering, 
um, what future I was referring to at the top of the show if the famous park met its end in 1997. We are excited to have our first guest of the season on today's episode, Ryan Crowder. Ryan is currently working to rebuild Opryland USA in a new and exciting way. So, Whit, I have a question for you. Have you ever tried virtual reality? I have not, actually. I have. And it's such a mind warp. Uh, One of my friends brought it to the theater for me to try, and I was terrified because you see those videos on TikTok where people, like, fall over. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm going to look like an idiot. But I I did work... (laughs) Yeah, I worked at the Opry Mills Mall, um, which is kind of ironic. Okay, I worked at the Opry Mills Mall, and I worked at the Victoria's Secret, and there was a, some kind of technology shop across the way, and you, I would just watch people do, like, virtual reality stuff, but I never did it. Well, yeah. it's really fun. Like, by the time it was over, yeah. I was like, I need an Oculus. So, <laughs> um <laughs> Maybe I'll get one. Maybe I won't. Uh, The human brain is wired to grasp events in 3D, but extended reality further bridges the gap between humans and computers, which is why, to me, VR is so interesting. Virtual reality has been taken by storm in the gaming industry, and while the technology never stops evolving, we have someone with us today who is up for the challenge. We are pleased to introduce you all to Ryan Crowder. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for joining (laughs) us. So Ryan is working on an incredible project of recreating the Opryland theme park detail by detail in his very own VR experience. And it's truly a work of art, Ryan. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, it's it's really wild how how many people have have seen it, um, have have seen just short videos or or know about the project in general. uh, it's it's really a, you know a passion project. It doesn't have any huge funding behind it, um, but uh, it's one of those things I'm trying to chip away at piece by piece. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what made you decide to do this specifically about Opryland? So, when um, the the last time I learned uh, 3D software, my first step was to to rebuild one of my uh, favorite places from a. Uh, from a summer camp, uh, and and so uh, it was a smaller software. The first one I learned, and so when I when I learned uh, the software I'm currently using, which is Blender, the um, you know once I learned all the tools and, and how to how to do everything, I sat down and just kind of like staring at a blank slate, just thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what what do I want to create? And uh, that clicked in my head. It was like, well, I should recreate something, something familiar. Um, and even though my memories of Opryland are fairly scattered. Um, I, I knew it would be possible to at least do one small scene in the area, uh, it, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, kind of near the train or the, the entrance is, is another area that, that there's a lot of pictures of. And um, the, uh, yeah, the, the more data I collected, I, I kind of realized that, that I had all the puzzle pieces I need to try to go through the whole park. Wow. Awesome. There's family. I never got to go there, but there's family photos of my uh, parents uh, in front of Opryland. And so I always dreamed of going there. So now people that never got the chance kind of get the, get the opportunity with this. So that's cool. Right. So when you sit down to do a project like this, like what is, how do you approach a project like this initially? 
Well, um, coming from a, a construction or manufacturing background, uh, you, I'm used to looking at like a blueprint or some sort of uh, drawing, uh, even if it's just kind of a rough, you know, it's, it's just, you know, math, like frames of reference, like or points of reference. And, um, that, that's, that's how I really started, sat down to chisel out this project. Uh, the first thing I did was I imported uh, the, the GIS data it's I guess also GPS data of the Opryland complex, Opry Mills area mm -hmm. as well, and so uh, that gave me the the proper scale for the area. And uh, if you, one of you said you've tried VR, uh, the scale is it's very important. If it's yes. if uh, if if something is way too big or if people are too big in the game, it really throws the whole experience off. And so really to me before I ever said anything to anybody that I was working on this or that this is something I wanted to do, I, um, uh, I wanted to be sure that I could properly lay out the scale of the part to, for that it would be how people remembered it. Because that's, uh, if, if it's wrong, people will know. People mm -hmm. will see, people who remember it, uh, it, it would stand out a lot, I think. Man, we have so many friends that, well, at least I do. I, I feel like Whitney, you do too, that it worked at Opryland USA. I never went. My parents remember it very well. And I am so excited about your project because I've always wanted to go. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. my God, this is my opportunity to go. <laughs> my opportunity, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Right. We both geeked out when Liz sent the, she found, I don't know how you found it, but she sent me the uh, link to your Instagram. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever, like, I never, I don't know, for two Opry geeks, it's pretty, it's fun. So, yeah, oh, I'm obsessed. That. And like, we worked at the Opry, right? So we're on the grounds yeah. all the time. And I hate the Opry Mills Mall. Okay. I hate it. Mm -hmm. So like with a burning passion and I wish they would bring Opry land back, but so, yeah, we'll see. Um, so we saw you were in clean box tech in June. So what was the response to your demo and what exactly is clean box? So, um, so the, uh, the event that, that clean box was featured at, that was, um, that was for the, uh, the VR AR association. Uh, it's the, I guess it's a national group, but the, uh, this was the national chapters first, uh, first event so um had a lot of a lot of great people there uh the rabbit hole was represented there uh jennifer and mitchell um excellent people uh, but yeah it, it um it was great because that was the first place that i'd ever run strangers through my demo which uh it, it's it wasn't uh, very long it just uh the demo started in the uh the Duwa Diddy City Skyride Station. It takes you up in the sky car across oh the park gosh. and sets you down in New Orleans, and uh, so that was uh, that was fun to to take people through. They um, uh, th there were a handful of people that that did remember that that were there who remembered the park. And um, going back to if if anything's incomplete, like uh, they let me know the uh, the flume <laughs> mm -hmm. zoom. I, I haven't. Uh, haven't plugged into the uh, the game engine yet, so so that that part of the park is incomplete. That was one thing that uh, someone said. They're like, "Oh, the flumes are supposed to be right there," and pointed at it. Um, mm. So, wow. uh, 
yeah, definitely, um, definitely well received. It seemed like, um, and and part of it, part of the reason I wanted to do the sky ride and the train is to be like the main, uh, you know, vessels for delivery for telling the story. Is uh, they were like easy going rides, and I want this to be uh, an experience that people who have never done virtual reality before won't. It won't make the motion sick. Uh, it's Thank it's really you. important for me to try to, to try to nail down that uh, that side of it because um, like the roller coasters would be fun to do, but they would definitely the roller coaster experiences can be jarring to people who aren't comfortable with that kind of motion. And uh, yeah, I want this to be something that long term. I like the idea of it being uh, like a multiplayer experience where. A location-based experience uh, like places like the rabbit hole that have an actual virtual reality arcade or uh, there's another uh, place called the mobile vr cave that's really cool and um they uh yeah anywhere it would be great to have uh, to be able to sit down like to take like your grandmother or someone and sit down across from them and then put on the headsets and then you'd be riding to the park together oh my wow. gosh that's i'm so terrified neat. of roller coasters so I'm very eager to just sit. I may have to buckle myself in, but I want to sit and just make myself think I'm on a roller coaster. There was one person who got kind of psyched out about you know being 80 feet off the ground and or in you know in the headset. There, uh, you know, you look around and you know that you're on the ground in your head, but uh, it, it still it works well enough that it it makes yeah, you, you think forget. that you're. It's yeah. amazing. Like I find the brain fascinating. And yeah. so, like, it's amazing to me that you can actually forget that you're looking at something, you know? Right. I am not tech savvy or any of this. So <laughs> trying to think this through of how this comes together is just, like, makes my brain hurt. Yeah, I'm like, like I do don't know. Start? How do you create a virtual reality? So um, I've, I've been using, uh, I use two programs for almost everything, Um I create all of my my 3D assets, like my models and textures, in a, in an open source program called Blender. Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, totally free to use. There's a ton of tutorials online, so that's that's kind of how I got started. Just like learning like the absolute basics and um, being sure that everything that I needed to get done is something that I could I could do. Just kind of uh, that that was where I started with Blender and uh, Unreal Engine is the game is the um, actually packages a standalone file that can run either on the Oculus. This this file is probably a little bit too big. It's probably going to end up running off of a PC. Uh, so the way that, that it works now is it's a standalone application on my desktop, um, and so I just or I, I, I use a laptop. But uh, so I plug the laptop. The, the Oculus Quest into the laptop and uh, open up the package those packaged through Unreal or the, the application that's packaged through Unreal. So, okay. And I may sound like a dodo, but um, <laughs> so like I used to play Animal Crossing and I would make my own island and stuff. Is it kind of like that? Like are you are you making like pixel per pixel of the image um, that the people are seeing? It's like... Um, so uh, it's it's uh, more geometry. So um, oh. <laughs> trying to think of uh, like trying to explain like a like three D um, 
like the, if you ever hear like anybody say like poly or polygons, um, that's mm -hmm. like a any 3D asset is made up of uh, a bunch of polygons, okay. which are uh, you know faces connected to vertices, and uh, those vertices are kind of the frame of reference and based on how close or far away you are from that, there's a level of detail system that kind of scales it up and down. Um, it, okay. it sounds gotcha. a lot a lot more involved than, than I feel like it is like once you get into it, but um, it, um, it, it's, it's um, not quite as daunting as I thought it was going to be when I started. Like really? uh, it, it's, it seems like a lot, but all of the, um, like all of the skills and knowledge really build off of, off of themselves. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not like you're learning like a thousand random things. It's like, like 10, 10 kind of smaller, um, everything can kind of be shuffled into like five or 10 categories. And they oh all God. like the knowledge grows off that. Wow. Well, I can tell you right now, this country bumpkin would not be able to do it. So <laughs> I wouldn't, um, <laughs> I wouldn't put yourself or uh, humble yourself down or anything because that's crazy. No. Insane. It's Insane. so funny, Ryan, because I just got a job in IT. <laughs> I don't know how. And, like, we're there. We work with these web developers. And <laughs> she said, I don't know when how. I'm, when I'm in work and I'm in these meetings, I, you know, that gif of the woman, like, trying to do math. And she's like... <laughs> Yeah, that's me in every dang meeting. And so you talking about this, I'm like, how is how does this work? I wouldn't I would never be able to do it. So you've got a gift, no. sir. You've got a gift. Yeah. Um, Thank you. How does virtual reality development differ from like animation or game design? So they're um they kind of go hand in hand as far as the uh animation and, and the game design, it's all like really, it's, it's very similar, just designing like a standard game, but it's, it's the way that the, uh, the engine packages it up. Like you have to, um, what makes virtual reality tough is that the Oculus renders two, it renders two separate images for your, um, for everything you see, because each eye sees, you know, your right eye sees, uh, you know, this much of, yeah. Uh, I guess, Yeah. what is that, like 130 degrees leaning to the right, and then your left eye is kind of the, the opposite of that. So um, so each eye sees something slightly different, and so that's why, like, graphically, like, I have tried to, to use as little as possible as, as far as, like, um, go back to, to geometry of the, the, the polygons, like, trying to keep this fairly low poly so that um, the game doesn't crash under under the weight of everything it's trying to show at once. Jeez. I so that's where VR stuff is like you really have to streamline your textures. Your textures like uh, have to be smaller than like a standard game size would be. Um, and uh, one of the fun things about uh, the new Unreal Engine is that the, uh, the lighting engine mm -hmm. um, is able to, to use emissive lighting. So if, um, sorry, I guess some of this gets into like the bumbo jumbo, but like if, if you have like a, before, if you wanted to have like a light in a corner, you would have like a, a model for 
the, the, the actual light bulb and then a separate light that lights that area. Uh, but now you can actually take that light bulb and the uh, the texture, like the, the you know image displayed on that light bulb when you look at it, um, actually emits light into the scene. And so mm -hmm. it, uh, it gives it a much more natural look. And um, that, that was one of the big things when I, when I moved over to the, to the newest Unreal Engine recently because uh, some of this didn't work with virtual reality initially, but now it does. So um, I'm able to use a lot more uh, polygons, so like my trees are a lot nicer in this new one. Um, uh, there's there's going to be a lot that this game engine uh, that this new game engine can do. So uh, that's one thing I'm excited about to see the uh, the way that the end result looks with yeah, all the natural so lighting and uh, n nicer trees. And I know what you're talking about because when I played those you know Sega Nintendo 64 games, like <laughs> it doesn't look as pretty. <laughs> so I know what you're talking about, right? I can right. see it in my mind. But Whitney, did you ever play video games? Frogger. There we go. Dead. Classic. <laughs> OG. Like, <laughs> no, like, killing people or nothing like that, but no GTA. killing frogs. Yeah. Okay. No. I couldn't play GTA, but I did like the kid games. I did play at my mom's house. I played, it was a game called Road Rash. And it was these, it was really kind of. Motorcycles. Yes. And they were like cussing and getting in like, bar fights and stuff. Had weapons so and you could knock the other people off the motorcycles. Yeah. yeah. It's a good oh gosh, one. Also classic. Funny. I went to one, one extreme to another, Frogger and then Road Rash. But, <laughs> yeah, you did. And at your grandmother's <laughs> house. Yeah, she's crazy. Oh my gosh. So I know. I was trying to do research, mainly so I could sound really smart during this um, <laughs> podcast. I, <did> not. <laughs> I don't know how well it's going, but I'm trying to fake it till I make it. But I did discover that there are three different types of virtual reality, which is crazy to me. So for our listeners, there's non-immersive, semi-immersive, and fully immersive simulations. So in this one, since you're going to be able to ride the rides... Can you even watch the shows? Like, are you doing shows too? Um, I'm trying to. I, I I would love to down the road, um, but yeah, I've, I've tried to prioritize uh, first things first and just getting like all of that the actual park um, just like shaped in. So Roger kind of a ghost that. town a little bit, but um, Roger that. So Roy Acuff's gonna have to wait, you know. Um, but right. how? How detailed are you going and what type of VR? I'm assuming fully immersive. And what else? What was my other question? I don't remember. Oh, and how, um, like, when do you see your project being fully, fully complete? So as far as, like, a, a full, like, the, like, to have all of the... Um all of the eras of the park, because that's, that's kind of my, my ultimate vision for it would be to, uh, to be able to, um, kind of toggle between, um, like if, if you look back at it, the, uh, like the Wabash cannonball and, um, the state fair area, they weren't part of the, the original, like first day of the park. They, they, uh, they came like four, three or four years later. 
And so um, I kind of wanted to, to break it up into like kind of four sections is how I had seen it. Like once I finished, you know, the, the core, like uh, 1972 Opryland, uh, to do like a 1975 version that had the Wabash Cannonball and the State Fair area over there. And uh, then the next expansion would be the um, uh, the Grizzly River Rampage. Um, the, to, to, try, to try to break it up like that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. Sorry, I think I got uh, sidetracked from the original question there a little bit. Um, oh, um like, how long do you foresee this taking? Oh, um, it, 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 um, I want to have at least a, um, a demo. And I, I, um, I'm planning on trying to release, like I said, some sort of, uh, even if it's just a short demo that rides you through the sky ride to the, um, like I, like I did at the, the VR event. I'd like to have one released by the end of the year. And I don't think that, oh. that should be too hard to do. Wow. Um, and I'll just release it on my website the the way I did the uh, the custom environment for the Oculus. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that one on there. It's a um, that that is like a completed scene that uh, that if you have an Oculus, you can go to my website uh, OprylandVR.com and uh, go to the downloads page. There's uh, instructions to kind of help you get it onto the the Oculus. But uh, the way it works, it's like a like when you load up the Oculus, it pulls uh, the the scene you're it like has you like you're sitting in a room, like a like on a mountaintop in a uh, you know geodesic dome or something like that. And uh, but th- this would re- replace that home screen, and uh, it loads you up in front of the gates of the park. Wow! So so that's already out there. So if if you have an Oculus. Uh, you go to the website. It's free to download. You just uh, download it. Uh, use a program called SideQuest to sideload it onto the Oculus, and then you go into your uh, custom environment screens and just pick the Opryland gate. And so, plays a little song, and you're in the the gates at nighttime. Oh my gosh! Listen, I'm not blowing smoke. I think you're sitting on a million dollar idea. I literally want to get an Oculus just so I can do this game or it's not my game, Christmas list. I'm serious right <laughs> I want so bad Luis is never gonna get his back I'm gonna borrow it and never give it back um yeah I'm obsessed um okay so diving just a little deeper we're about to get into like deep thoughts I guess but I've read about how much resistance there is towards VR AR and MR technology so why do you think that that is, and do you have any feelings or thoughts on how their feelings on that can be reduced? Um, sense? Yeah, definitely, because it, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like cell phones. If, if you look back at at the at the smartphone, like when uh, iPhones started to become prevalent, there's or even social media, um, there's there's always the um, the resistance to that change because it does with that change does come a shift in power dynamics and in the way of the um you know in that technology and so so i I understand it from that level of Mm -hmm. of not wanting to um 
not wanting to just open up the throttle and just, you know, I, I, the fear is people think that we'll just live in this virtual world where we always have a headset on and we don't ever talk to people. We just look at stuff in the headset. And um, not that that's not possible, I suppose. Um, but like from a practical standpoint, as somebody that has had a VR headset since uh, 2016, I guess was when like the PlayStation VR became, uh, was oh, released. Wow. And that's kind of the first, I know that that's, yeah, I know. Isn't 2016. And I love playing games. There's, there's so many great games on there, but at, um, going back to the practicality of it, it's, it's just not practical to wear a headset for eight hours a day or even two or three hours a day. That's, that's like a long time to be in a headset. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe eventually it'll come to a place where it's a little bit more comfortable, but, um, I think, I think the fear of virtual reality, kind of like the fear of AI is, is a little bit overblown. Um, there's, there's a lot more potential for positive effects from VR. Like I think, I think education has as yet to probably for the reasons I've listed, the, the, the kind of fear of shifting power dynamic, um, mm -hmm. I think education is one place that it will it will definitely come into play and, and be a huge game changer. Uh, the ability to, to put someone in someone else's shoes. I think there's a lot of power in that. And uh, yeah, for sure. at the end of the day, it's another medium for storytelling. And uh, just uh, got to be cautious of people who are trying to shut down the storytellers. Yeah. Wouldn't that be crazy if like, <laughs> so I have a two-year-old daughter and it's like, what if she's in high school history and they are like, all right, y'all, we're going to learn about Anne Boleyn, put on your virtual reality glasses wow, <laughs> and you like watch cool, her though. beheaded or something. That's where I go. Cause I'm morbid, but yeah, it's not, not too far, not too far fetched. I don't think. Have y'all seen the movie or not movie? It's a, it was a show black mirror. Yes. Yes. I think, I think that's where people are like scared. It'll get to like to that where it's used to, I think there was an episode where it was like American Idol, but really they were all virtually there. So I don't know. So yeah. I can see that being, but I don't, I don't see that actually happening, but people are just so extreme. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to give everyone here, including our listeners a laugh because I feel like a total dumbass. but my next question, I'm going to read it for verbatim for a second. It says, one of your first posts on Instagram is a train engine number two named Rachel, and it comes to us after a 25-year hiatus. So how long have you been working on this? Now, you're a young-looking guy. And so when I read that on your Instagram, I was like, he put his project down for 25 years. And now I'm starting to realize that it was probably 25 years since Opryland. Am I correct? Right, right. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, so, well, how long have you been working on this, ignoring my idiocracy? You're a-okay. Um, I started on this, uh, I guess, close to two years ago. Um, I really started on, that's about when, I guess, two and a half years ago is when I started learning, learning Blender. And um, as far as... Uh, the park, like I haven't necessarily been able to work on it 
you know, 20 to 40 hours a week, like I would like to that whole time. Um, but like when, uh, there were, there were some times in there that I was coming up against some dates. Uh, th- that's a big reason I, I, I tried to, to push as much as I could to, to get so much completed before those dates. Um, because last year we hit some important, uh, dates for like, uh, for Opryland, um, 19, um, the end of March last year marked 50 years since the park opened. And then the end of December marked uh, 25 years since it closed. Dang. So okay. uh, those were two times that I knew that it would, it would be a topic of conversation, mm-hmm. not just, you know, at a bar top, but like in the actual media. And uh, so, so being able to uh, kind of position myself in that, um, to be to be prepared for the for mm-hmm. those moments, and That's even even moment. being halfway prepared for it, like it's still there's uh, there are ways that I feel like I probably could have um, done a better job of capitalizing off of the, those those times. But um, going back to it being going back to it being a, a part time project, I was um, you know I'm, I'm really just glad that it's got as much attention as as it's had. Mm-hmm. Have you had anyone reach out to you, like any media? Um, I'd had um, I'd, I did a, a small piece for um, local on local on two, uh, okay. news channel two, mm-hmm. and uh, the Tennessean wrote uh, wrote an article, and um, so so I've had like a, a few, um, I've done a few podcasts too. So that's mm-hmm. uh, awesome. Yeah, those. Um, those have been great. I think once the, the actual project is complete, people can go download it and play it. There will be there will be probably more opportunities at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope so. I want to get this out there. I want to help you like make bank off this. <laughs> it's well, like I definitely appreciate you guys hosting me on the show and uh, and having me having me on. Oh, of course. Oh my gosh. Anytime, anytime you want to share updates about this, seriously, just hit us up and we'll be like, Ryan's back. (laughs) Um, okay. So I saw that Apple vision pro is coming out. I wonder how that compares to Oculus. Like when does that come out? Do you know? I'm not sure when it comes out. Um, and, uh, yeah, that might be that would be something I'd probably have to look into down the road. I'm not sure um, about um, like the system requirements and all that for it. And also, there's a pretty high uh, price tag on it. That's that's one of the appealing things about the Oculus is it's just so cheap. It's three hundred dollars for the base set, and uh, the, I think the Apple headset's going to be like three thousand dollars. Apple's Holy. nuts. Okay. Apple what? needs to chill their panties. Seriously. <laughs> God. Like, seriously. Okay. The it's second definitely more than I can spring for right now. Yeah. So. I mean, come on. Like, they're crazy. I can't, I can't with Apple. My husband is the biggest Apple nerd ever. He watches, like, the whole, like, coming out with new shit seminar and all that stuff. And he's like... <laughs> whatever it is and he's like we're getting this this and this and i'm like i don't care like get whatever you want um 
And by the way, every time you say Wabash Cannonball, what do I think of, Whitney? I think of little Jimmy Dickens, or not little and Jimmy Dickens, Roy Acuff during yeah, the tour video. That's like, Wabash yeah. Cannonball, ding, 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 we ding. We had ding. to hear that song, I don't know how many times when we worked at the Opry, but yeah, it was At least like 30 times a day. Classic. Love it. It, it is um, classic. I have a, I have a question. So, this you have to do so much research for this. Mm-hmm. Is most of your work that you're doing research, and then a very little part of it actually putting that research into the into the the visualization of it? Right. There was definitely um, it, it was it was one of the biggest first phases before I ever started before I ever started modeling even the train, I. I had spent a few months just kind of going through and collecting as much as I could, as much pictures, videos. Um, one of the best pieces of, of data I found was this, uh, it's a fact sheet from Gaylord from uh, 1979 that listed how the, um, it listed the, the height of the sky ride poles of each pole, the distance of the, the ride, the length of the train wow. track, uh, the height, it, it had so much information in it. And yeah, it's, it's little things like that, that, that I picked up and like, just felt like it opened up so many possibilities for me. I can so see, um, like either Gaylord Opryland or, um, the op, the Grand Ole Opry wanting to make this a part of their, yeah, their, companies i guess what i'm trying to say like it would be so cool to to go into that hotel and you know people just go around there and walk around but there would be a section where you could watch this or you know be a part of this virtual reality experience and be able to see what was on that land before that hotel was there i think that'd be so neat yeah and i i I hope so too um Can you imagine if you part had a of, part system? of me worries that 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 it's not um, that the um, you know Opry Lane is kind of the sore spot on the on the um, the the theme park is kind of a sore spot on the uh, company as far as their their history. Like I know it's something that they kind of rather try to avoid. Like especially um, the uh, former CEO named Colin Colin Reed. Yep. Um, it was. I had read that he he said that once he took over for Terry London, who was the CEO when they shut down Opryland, uh, that even though it had been closed for years at that point, four years, uh, he was still spent his whole first year just fielding complaints about Opryland. And I know it's something that they'd rather just kind of probably move on from. Um, what it was it complaints that it closed or complaints about something while it opened. Uh, complaints complaints that the park was closed. Oh well, boohoo! They yeah, well, sold out and put a mall there. That's exactly. What you get. Let's demolish the mall. Okay. Let's rethink some things. That mall sucks. Okay. <laughs> I hate it. That is. Uh, that's part of the. Uh, yeah, the the vibe that I've got is uh, yeah, tear, tear down Opry Mills, rebuild Opry Land simple message yeah. i mean even all the road signs still say opry land so it's like right. bring it back bring it back i, think I know they're, that. they're mm-hmm. kind of trying to with that water park but i don't know i've never been it looks fun though it, it yeah. does look fun um 
But I don't think One it thing. has that sound quality. waves. Sound right. waves. I don't think it has the well, quality of Opryland. Right. It, it definitely has. You know, it's it's um, well, and, and it kind of goes back to like what the hotel became and what it grew into. And, and why I think it was part of the reason the park closed. Uh, not because of the hotel, but because of, um, you know, like a kind of like brand conflict. You know, you have a family-friendly attraction that's affordable, uh, that kind of services the local crowd. And then you have a hotel that's made for conventions that wasn't originally made for conventions, but the you know, leadership of the hotel kind of grew it into a convention hotel. So you've got a luxury brand right next to an affordable uh, family attraction, and mm-hmm. those are kind of uh, those were kind of conflicting. I think is mm. the big part of the reason. Um, I think it's part of the reason that the park was closed. My, That's so sad. I, I'll, I'll go into the conspiracy theories all day long. But, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I know the locals miss it for sure. So. They're missing out. They're missing out. Yeah. What was your favorite attraction at Opryland, if you remember any? So the, the the few things that I really that really stand out to me that the that I remember really well the Timber Topper, which was called the Rock and Roller Coaster at the time, where it kind of has that uh, little spiral at the end. It's not the corkscrew like the Wabash Cannonball that takes you mm-hmm. upside down, but it just spins you around at the end. Uh, I really that one like stands out in my mind and also one of the most random things that i remember is a little island that had monkeys on it mm-hmm. and i half thought it was made up until someone sent me a picture of it recently and uh oh, wow yeah that was it definitely hit some had some core memories in there you gotta have the monkeys in the vr experience right <laughs> That's awesome. funny. I just learned a couple of years ago that, you know, that sculpture downtown, the red like tracks sculpture by the <gasps> river, that's the Wabash Cannonball or it's like supposed to be like symbolic of that. Right. It's did you, not right. know that. I always wonder yeah. why yeah, it's, it's like a roller coaster. <laughs> right. Right. It's um, yeah, it's not the um, yeah, it's not an actual uh, like you said, it's 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 um, it's like a supposed to represent that but mm-hmm. yeah because there was a lot of confusion about it on the facebook page for uh op- there's an opryland memories facebook group and uh they they kind of discussed it on there they said no, it's it's not it looks just like the roller coaster but it's it's um it's not an actual piece of the track was what kind of a lot of us thought i think oh okay okay my mind is blown right now yeah when i found that i was like mm. oh <laughs> funny have you had a lot of people reach out to you with like photos and all and all sorts of stuff definitely um, good a, a lot of people have sent me um everything from photos some people sent me some uh, memorabilia i had a few uh, like uh, coffee mugs from the park mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's really been awesome uh, it, even even stories people just telling me stories and like about family that worked there and stuff like that Every, every little bit of it is, you know, a piece of the bigger story of Opryland. Yeah. And, um, one person who reached out to me really early on, who's been a huge resource throughout this whole process, uh, a guy named uh, Brandon Vestal. He's, uh, he's doing a documentary for, the, for Opryland. Um, it's, it's an independent uh, documentary. He's, uh, he's been working on it 
I guess about as long as I've been working on mine. Um, because before I ever even posted that I had you know plans for the virtual reality uh, park, I posted just that image, like you were saying, the, the train uh, engine number two there. And I posted it on the Opryland Memories page, and he sent me a message saying, hey, I really hope your project has something to do with VR. And, and uh, I was like, well, cat's out of the bag. So mm -hmm. oh, um, wow. that's exactly, uh, yeah. He, he saw exactly where I was going with it, and he, he's had some really great ideas and um, a ton of pictures. Uh, gave me a map as well. So I, you know, definitely uh, Brandon has a great uh, great documentary that he's putting together. His, his website is OprylandDoc.com. So. Okay. I'm writing I'll definitely that down. have to see that. So neat. Wow. Um. We actually just had a guest on, his name's Dink Cook, and he's the bassist for Toby Keith. So he was one of our guests on here because he's a, he's a friend of mine. We um, did the Nashville House concerts at the War Memorial Auditorium together. And he told me, which I didn't know, but he used to be, did he say wardrobe or costume? Yeah, he worked in wardrobe and costume. Um, but at really, Land. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Aubrey like Lynn kind of was the ticket to get him like eventually yeah. into. But it's so funny because yeah. he was like, "Do you remember the green shed back there, like <laughs> <laughs> in the Opry parking lot by the hotel?" And I was like, "Yeah," and he's like, "No, don't tell me yeah if you haven't." And I was like, "No, I really do remember." But that was like the wardrobe room way back there. He was like, because when you, when you're work at the Opry, you go down this back road, you've probably seen it, where they have like, don't go through here. It yeah. was back kind of by that sign. Even though everyone still goes through there. And our I used to go through there like, when I didn't work there. <laughs> Whitney. Before I worked at the Opry, I would go back there. Yeah. I was trying to see somebody. Cool. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's some tea for another time. <laughs> That's funny. Man. See, I just... And then, you know, Roy Acuff's house is on the property of the Grindel Opry. And so they have a whole museum in there now. It's just cool. I miss, every, I miss all the fun things. And I didn't even know Opryland back then. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's cool that, that, um, that his house is still there. It's a, it was kind of one of the later additions to the park. But it's, it's one of the last things left. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone in there? I've not been inside of the house. Um, I've been meaning to uh, to try to get over there for a, for a tour. I think they did tours last year. I don't know if I can get in there this year. But. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You should just hit them up. You should literally, f like, message somebody. We can give you a bunch of contacts. And be like, hey, I'm doing an Opryland VR experience. Can I get a... A look at the Opry Acuff They house. let some real goofballs in there, so I'm sure they'll let somebody of your degree. A stand-up man of your demeanor <laughs> in there, I'm sure. If they let me in there. We'll, we'll, keep, our, we'll keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Keeping them crossed. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, I know that you've posted on your social media requesting for any and all pictures of, like, people being at Opryland. So... Feel free to let the listeners know anywhere they can send um, all the things for you. 
for your yeah, research. Um, anything you want to send to me at, uh, on Instagram is fine. Uh, I'm at um, Instagram at Opryland underscore VR. My, my website, uh, I have an email set up with my website, so uh, you can also email me at Crowder at OprylandVR.com. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share that I didn't touch on or did I do accurate um, research? I think, we, I think we had touched on a lot of stuff. We kind of went over um, definitely the, the, the core of it. Um, Whew, good. Yeah, or is there, anything, uh, is there anything else or any other questions that you, that you guys had that... Um, I just wanted to say this is the most informative, intellectual-sounding episode we've ever had. We're, we were like, <laughs> not to talk bad about our other episodes, but we're like, they wore rhinestones in the 70s. So, like, it's just going to be a, we want to bring variety to the show. So, it's so cool that we got this this content. We got to meet you for the first, for the, finally, because we've been talking on social we, since, I think, last December. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's been cool to put a face to the name and get all that going. So thank you for talking to us. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, yeah. Of course. Well, thank you for being here, giving us the scoop for sure. Thank you so much. All right. It's Have okay. a good night. You too. Bye. Thank you. Thank y'all for listening to Spilling the Tea. Whitney Merritt and Liz Ent are co-hosts and co-producers. The show is edited by Jeff Ent. Our theme song is sung by Whitney Merritt. You can follow us on Instagram at the Tea underscore podcast, Facebook at Spillin' the Tea, and TikTok at Spillin' the Tea Nash for all updates and additional podcast materials. We want to hear from you, so be sure to send your comments, leave reviews, give us your readings, and share us with a friend. And most importantly, y'all come back now, you hear?